All right, if you have a Bible, would you take it out this morning and turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. We're continuing our series this morning, uh, taking a look at uh, Out of Egypt, which has been the theme and the series that we've been looking at uh, for several weeks now. And uh, we're going to continue uh, marching on through this, uh, this book. And this is uh, probably uh, one of the... A lot of the sermons have been different in this series. Uh, some of them have been uh, trying to connect with our head and trying to help us see God in a new way. Um, and this one is one of those ones that's highly practical. So this is going to be the one where you might want to take out a pen and jot some things down. You know, sometimes the Word of God is always uh, applicable, and, and the Word of God is always um, used so that we may be drawn closer to the Lord and become more like Him. But this is one of those passages that we can draw just meat from that meets us in our daily lives. And so uh, you may come to the end of this, if, if I preach it well, you may come to the end of this and say, man, that was the greatest sermon ever, it really helped. Or you may just be like, hey, that was, that was horrible. Um, but if it was horrible, it's on me. If it was great, it's because it's the Word of God. Uh, so if it's horrible, that means I'm not explaining it very well. But today we're taking a look at the Exodus. We're going to take a look now at the journey of God's people out of slavery in towards the land of freedom into the land that God has promised his people. Now, when I was in college, uh, I... My favorite part about being in college was uh, all the journeys that I took while I was in college. I was completely free. I didn't have any responsibilities. And uh, one of the joys that I had while being in college was being on the cross-country, indoor, and outdoor track teams. And so every weekend, there was always a journey we were going to take. We were going to go either to Notre Dame or we were going to go head up to Ann Arbor and go to the University of Michigan. And we traveled all over the place. And so I loved just being in that, that stage in my life where I was able to take all these different journeys. And I knew that the journeys were coming up. I knew that the weekend was coming and we were going to go someplace. And what I love most about that is that I didn't have to plan anything. Like all I had to do was the coach said, be at, by, at the bus at this time, make sure you've got your stuff and get ready to go. So I, I could get ready to go on those journeys in just a moment's notice. I knew that all I needed was my bag. I needed some, um, some things to shower with. I needed my, my uniform and I needed my shoes. And that's all I really needed to take whatever journey God was going to take me on or the team was going to take me on. So it was just so much fun. And so I'd get on the bus and we'd go. And, and looking back on it now, I, I realized that taking those journeys were so easy because they in, in, involved a lot of faith and obedience. My faith was placed in my coach that he knew where we were going. He knew when we were going to eat, where we were going to eat. I didn't need to worry about that stuff, so I could place my faith in my coach. And then I just needed to obey. I just needed to be where I needed to be on time and in the right way. Now, as I've gotten older, I realize that journeys now are a lot more challenging um, because I don't have a coach that's planning everything I'm now the coach. And if you have children or if you, you have any idea about trying to plan a vacation or a journey with four little girls, uh, you know that even if you just have one, you know there's a lot of things that goes in, involved in planning for the journeys and, and preparing for the journeys. And so it takes me a lot of time, takes me a lot of thought, and takes a lot of energy to get us ready to go on these journeys. And so um, you've got to make sure you have the right bows and you have to make sure that the, that the outfits match each other and you have to make sure that you take the box fan along with you and that you make sure the kids have their blankets and their special loveys. And if you forget a lovey, you're up a creek. So uh, it's become a little more challenging, a little bit more stressful. 
But this morning, what I want us to see from the word of God, in, in following God and following the journey that he has for our life, that he wants to lead us in this journey, that he sets us free so that we can follow him in faith and obedience. And what that really requires of us is that we live a life of submission and we live a life of surrender unto him. And so today we're going to look at the journey that God begins to take his people in on through the Exodus. And what we've been taking a look at is God has been in the process of, of working towards making his name great. He wants his name to be uh, famed throughout all of the earth. And so what he's been doing is he's been working towards setting his people free. He's been, his people have been in, in slavery to Pharaoh. And now he is through the series of um, ten plagues has brought Pharaoh to the place where he's ready to let his people go. And we see now that God is continuing to care about his great name. And what he's going to do, he's going to allow his name to be great in, in showing to the world how he cares for his people. That's one of the greatest blessings about being a follower of Jesus Christ, is that when we follow Jesus Christ, we are promised that God is with us and that he protects us and he cares for us. And the way that God protects us and cares for us shows that he is a God that cares and a God that is mighty to save and that he's a God that is mighty to provide. And so let's look today in Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to look here at the Exodus, and we're going to see um, the way... The thing I want us to see today is the way that God provides for the Israelites is the same way that God provides for us as believers. Look with me in Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 33. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks and on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses had told them, as they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men and women, men, sorry, not women, 1,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and and they're, very, and they're very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people in, of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt It was night of the watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So the same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout the generations. Now skip on down with me to chapter 13, looking in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham, at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night and a pillar of fire to give them light that they, may, they might travel by day and by night. 
the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people from before the people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. God, we are thankful that you are a God that cares for our needs. Father, you know the paths you have for us and you have provided everything we need for the journey of faith. And so, Father, today I pray for those of us that are on this journey, may we be reminded of your faithfulness. May we be strengthened and may we be resolved to follow you. But, Father, for those that are here today that are not yet on a journey to know you, Father, that are still far from you. Father, I pray today that your word would speak words of conviction, but it also would speak words of hope and life. And today that you would move them to choose to follow you. God, we do love you and we pray that your word would be active and it would accomplish what you set out for to do in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today, as we look at this passage, I want us to to walk through and I want us to see the ways that God has provided for his people in the Old Testament, but I also want us to be reminded that God provides for the same way for those that follow him today. So if we look in, in chapter 12, verse 33, the first thing that we see is that God provides freedom. God provides freedom. And this has been the story so far to this point that God has has worked out the situation so that his people who were in slavery to a foreign God now are being set free. We see here that the Egyptians are saying, get out of here, please leave so that we will not die. So God had made the situation so much so that he allowed his people to move into freedom. And so God's people, as they're entering this place of freedom, Really what they're doing is they're moving into a place where they are free to choose. When you're in slavery, you have no right to choose. You have to do what uh, your slave master uh, encourages you to do or makes you do. And so today I want us to see that the power of God, what he does through Christ for the believer, as he makes us free from sin and gives us the right to choose. In John chapter 8, verse 36, we see this promise given to those, of those that would come after the Egyptians. So if the Son, Jesus Christ, sets us free, we are free indeed. That's the beauty of what God does in the life of a believer. He sets us free so that we can be free to choose. Now, we are free from being slaves to sin so that we may be slaves unto righteousness. And we have the opportunity to choose, will we follow God or will we live in the lusts of our flesh? So God provides freedom. The second thing that we see here is that God provides for our needs. In verse 36, 34 through 36, we see that God provides two things for his people. First of all, the people in, in starting this journey, people always need food. And so we see that God provided for them unleavened bread. He gave them instructions prior to setting them free. He told them, take for you unleavened bread. Don't try to put the yeast in it. Don't, don't give it that time because it's going to take too much time. But when I tell you it's time to go, take it with you and, and you have that food provided. The second thing that we see is he provided a need of finances. 
always there's a sign of when an enemy is defeated. We see this throughout time and space, that there's always this thing called plunder. When you go and you overthrow a people, there's all of their riches and there's all of their treasures that you get to take as the overthrowing people. And as we've noticed that God has been in this amazing fight, it is God that is providing this victory for the Israelites. The Israelites themselves never had to raise a sword. They never had to go out to battle. All they had to do is sit back and allow God to do what God was going to do. And we see that God provided for their needs. He says, just go out and ask your neighbors for gold, for silver, and for clothes. And we see what they did is the people just gave them, handed over to the Israelites what they needed, gold and silver and clothing. For God knew the supplies that they would need along the way, along their journey into the promised land. He knew that they would need to buy things. He knew that they would need to have clothing for this journey. And so God provides for them. And what's interesting about this is the money that was earned by these Egyptians over the sweat of the slaves now is being returned to them. And this is beautiful how God takes care of his people. And we can know by looking in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 32, that God provides for us today, those that follow him. Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Do you see the connection there? Like Jesus is saying to his people, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about how you're going to provide for it. And verse 32 says, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God knows what we need, and God can provide and will provide for our needs. So the God that provided for the Egyptians also provides for us. Next, I want to see in verse 37 that God provides a plan. We see here that God has a distinct plan of where he wants to take his people, how he wants to take them. He has a path that is laid out for them. And there's no need for the Israelite people to ask God why. They don't need to say, God, why are you moving us this way? Why are we going this way? Why are you taking us from Ramses to Sukkoth? Why are you taking us towards the Red Sea? They don't need to ask why. They just need to know where. Like, God, where do you want us to go and help us to be obedient to go there? And so we see that they do that. And so in the same way, God has promises for us as believers. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that we are his, God's, workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan for each one of our lives. God is in the process of making our lives into a workmanship or making our lives into a poem, which is the word workmanship, what it literally means. That God created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. And he has done these good works and prepared these works beforehand so that all we need to do is to walk in these good works. We don't have to try to figure it out. We just walk in it. Now, next, I want us to see in verse 37, I want us to see the magnitude of God's provision, the magnitude of God's provisions. It shows here that um, the, in, in this exodus, there were six, 600,000 people. Now, it says 600,000 people and women and children. And so by best estimates, we see that, that not only were there 6,000, that 600,000 was a number given for the soldiers of the Israelite nation. But if you figure it out, and, and others have tried to figure it out, and they say somewhere between 2 and 3 million people 
we're on this exodus towards the promised land. Now, if you think about just the magnitude of that amount of people, that amount of people need daily provisions. And just, I want us to see just for a moment the magnitude of the way God provides. Now, if you have 3 million people, that's a lot of food that people need food every single day. And, and statistics show, or people have tried to estimate, that that's estimating about 2,000 tons of food per day. That's about 4 million pounds of food. Or more likely, uh, it's three freight trains that are a mile long each. Like for every day, you need three, a three-mile-long freight train worth of food to feed God's people. Now, God had to provide that every single day. And, and initially and additionally, that amount of people would need a lot of firewood. They need that firewood to cook and to keep warm. And so the estimates are about 4,000 tons. So that's about 8 million pounds or um, an, an additional six trains uh, that are a mile long worth of firewood every single day. That amount of people would need about 11 million gallons of water each day, which is a freight train with tank cars that's 1,800 miles long. 1,800 miles. That's a lot of water. Like, they needed that amount of water every day. Now, this is also, this this amount of people, 3 million people with their herds and their cattle would need a specific amount of space, which is about 700 square miles every day. Now, to put that into perspective, what is 700 square miles? It's about the size of one and a half Newcastle counties. God had to provide that amount of space every single day. Now, that's an amazing God that can provide for 3 million people. God is a God that has, can care for the multitudes. But what I want us to see is not only can God care for 2 million people, but God can care for so many more. If we look at the book of Revelation, chapter, chapter 7, verse 9, we see this. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. And this number, these people were from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. And they were standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes robes with palm branches in their hands. I want us to see that God is a God that can provide for a great magnitude of people. We see there the promise in Revelation is that in the end, there will be such a great multitude of people that no one can count. God can count. But these people weave from every nation, every tribe, and every people, and every language. So God today is still providing for the multitudes. I want us to see in also that in verse 38, that God provides for a past promise. God had provided or promised Abraham that through Abraham, all the nations would be blessed. And I want us to see here in verse 38 that there's this idea of a mixed multitude, that there was a mixed multitude of people that came along, which goes into this number of two to three million. Now, this mixed multitude was made up of the Egyptians that lived in Egypt during this time that saw the power of God and began to fear God. So this mixed multitude is made up of people that were outside of God's special people. Now we also know that um, God has always had it in his plan to redeem, that he wasn't just going to redeem a small group of people, but that God's promise of redemption and God's promise of being free from slavery was going to go to all nations. We see this also in um, the New Testament. We see in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. 
Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. And so we fit, or we're also into the Greek. And so we fit into that Greek section. We are, if we are not born into the, the Jewish nation, many of us are not in that place. So we have been born outside of that. But through Christ, God has provided a way so that we may come and be a part of his family. So not only does God provide for his past or past promises, God provides also for protection. In verse 42, we see that as they went out, God watched over them in the night. We see it's as though his eyes were on his people, protecting them in the night. In the scariest times of the day, God was with them. And he set them up and said, I want you to remember that I am with you by giving you a vigil that that this time every year, you're supposed to stay up all night to be reminded that God never sleeps, that God is continually watching over his people. We see this is also a promise that he gives to those that follow Christ now. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we can be assured today that as we live a life for Christ, that he is still looking over us, that he is watching over us, and that there's nothing in this world that will be able to separate us from his love. Next, I want us to see that God provides the path. In verses 17 and 18 of chapter 13, we see that here, that when God lets his people go, God gives them a specific path he wants them to walk. And he has a purpose in this path. There, there were two routes that basically God's people could take. They could take the easy route. They could take the most direct route that was going to lead them right into the promised land. Or they could take the route that God wanted them to take, which was south and along uh, the way towards the Red Sea. And we see here that God instructs them, don't go the easy way. Don't go the, the, the quickest way. Because if you go the t- quickest way, that's the way of the Philistines. And right now, the Philistines are in a place where they're a great warring nation. And if you go there, I'm afraid, God says, I'm afraid for you that you will become depressed, you'll become disappointed, and you will be afraid that this warring nation is going to come against you and that you'll want to go back to Egypt. So he says, I'm not taking you that way. Instead, I have a different plan. Instead, I want you to go south. I want you to take the long way for two reasons. One, when Pharaoh sees that you go this long way, he'll think that you guys are confused and this God is not a real God, and so then uh, he'll want to come after you and destroy you. But God was showing his people that the path that he has for them isn't always going to make sense in their earthly minds. But God's path that he has for his people always makes sense in his way. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 is the same promise that he gives to us today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. For us as believers, God has a path that he wants for us. And our responsibility is to trust in that path. Trust that the Lord is good. Trust that he knows. And his path is not always going to make sense to us. But we submit to him, and he will make our path right. And lastly today, I want us to see that God provides direction. In chapter 13, verses 20 through 22, we see that God never leaves his people 
on their own to try to figure it out. He always gives them a way of, of being guided in the way that they're supposed to go. And we see here that God provides uh, a pillar of fire and he provides this cloud. And so God is present in those two um, instances, this cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night, that the God's people knew exactly which way to go. They didn't have to wonder, they just had to follow. And I want us to see that God, though he doesn't give us a, a, a cloud and, and a pillar now, he has given us his word. In Psalm chapter 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So not only has God given us his word so that we'll know, so we don't have to wander the ways that we should go, we can know and we can wander and we can walk in the ways that God wants us to go because we have his word. We also have his Holy Spirit that indwells us that gives us wisdom. So today as we come to a close, I want us to be reminded that God, in his power through Jesus Christ, has set us free so that we can freely choose to follow God. And in that, if we know and we want to be assured that our lives are following God, that our lives should be marked with faith and obedience. Like we are faith, we place our faith in Jesus, even though we don't know the path, he does. So daily we place our faith in him saying, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. And then we're, we are obedient to what he says, do. Now God's, the faith that God wants us to uh, exhibit comes in a relationship with him. The more we have a relationship with him, the more he, he tells us to trust him. And then the more we know the path that he wants us to take and the more we can be obedient. So I want you to see today that God is a God that we can trust in with our lives. You can trust this God with your life. You don't have to, to, to not trust him. You don't have to give it to someone else, but you can squarely and surely place your faith and trust in this God because he cares for you and he knows the paths he has for you. And he will not lead you in a place where he does not want you to go. Now this path, I want you to be aware of this. The path and the places that he wants you to go are not always easy. Like it says here, and we're going to see this a little bit more next week. The path is not always easy. He's not going to take you on the easy road. But he's going to take you on the right road. And that path may be filled with with hardship and hardness because God is in the process of refining us. And so sometimes we need to go through the hard times and through the hard paths, but he promises that he'll always be with us. So are you at a place today where you're fully trusting in the Lord with your life? Or are you sitting back saying, you know, God, I just want to be released from this path that you've chosen for me. Like, God, I know that you, you, you've given me this job and you've put me in this place of employment, but you have no idea how hard it is every single day for me to go in there. It's not a place where the people are nice. It's not a, a place where it's easy. But every single day I go back in there, and instead of feeling a, being in a place of joy, I'm in a place of trial and struggle. Have you ever thought that God has placed you there and that's a part of this plan, and you're just resisting his plan? Maybe you just need to come to the place of say, you know, God, I forget it. I'm going to stop fighting you, and I'm just going to be who you want me to be at this place of work. Or maybe you're in a, in a place of your life where, where God has placed you in, in the midst of 
his refinement. And it's hard. You don't like it. Things aren't going your way. Things aren't going easy. And maybe you've just been resisting the plan of God. And maybe you're here today. Just need to say, okay, God, I quit. I, I, I just give up. I quit fighting you. I'm just going to submit to you, surrender to you, and allow you to choose the path that you have for me. And I'm going to walk in faith and obedience. So today, the question that sets before you, is your life marked with faith and obedience? Or is your life marked with resistance and struggle? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true and your word brings life. And so today, God, I pray that we would be people that just wait to hear your voice to tell us where we need to be and when. And that we, with faith and obedience, just pack our bag quickly and we just go. That we don't worry about the things of life, that we don't wait until we have all those things figured out to follow you, but that we just trust your voice. And when you say go, we go. When you say wait, we wait. When you say speak, we speak. Father, I pray that we would be those people. Father, I also just pray today, if, if there's someone here that does not know you, that has not come to the place where they've given their whole life over to you and trusted you in faith, Father, I pray that they would not leave this place until they do. I pray that they would be moved to take me by the hand after uh, this sermon or take someone else by the hand and, and ask the question, God, how can I know this Jesus? But God, I also just pray that you'd be with us today as your church. As we do things a little bit different to try to seek to engage with other people, I pray today that you go before us. I pray that you'd give us a great conversations today with people that, are, that have come to the city to be a part of this great race. Father, I pray today that in your, your perfect plan, that even though they've come today to be a part of this great race, that they would come today in your plan to meet with you. So, Father, let us be your people now. Give us the words to speak. Help us um, to be led in having the right conversations. Give us the boldness today, God, just to open our mouths and to have the right words to say. God, today, be glorified in your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.